0: And Welcome to Meet Me in the Middle, the podcast that chats about finding middle ground within the wellness, debt, culture, the world. I am Jenny Omani.
1: And I'm Annika Buckle. As always, we love that you're listening to us. Thank you. And we also would love if you just booped right on over and gave us a review on your platform of choice. Please uh, feel free to share with friends and um, uh, always just keep listening if you want that's okay too.
0: Boop <laughs> on over. I like that. Boop <laughs> poop on over there. Um, okay. So we are, I don't even know what episode number anymore. We are into this, but we are in our summer wellness series, looking at trash fad diets by the decades. <laughs> and we today are in the 1970s. Um, okay. I'm curious, Annika, what you think of when you think of the 1970s, just like as a decade that you weren't alive in. <laughs> think a
1: lot about um the colors of uh kitchen appliances like (gasps) good one (laughs) olive green and like orange and I think there's avocado green avocado green yes (laughs) like a lot of burnt umber (laughs) colored things
0: (laughs) it's so true I honestly it was funny when I first I always like to um like sit and ponder my biases my biases Mm. (laughs) before I look into something and I could think of nothing for the 1970s other than like yeah these like muted fall toned (laughs) a decade
1: a decade of the fall color palette
0: avocado burnt umber (laughs) swirls and then I was like oh was that the 60s did they swirl anyways um but super interesting. And we're we'll probably just do a teaser. Cause I feel like this is going to be a whole new um, topic. Mm. I did discover a diet industry mega star, and he's like a really fascinating character from the surface level stuff that I looked at. And we'll talk about him a little bit later. Um, but I was very pleasantly surprised by this little like discovery. Um, so we're going to do a couple honorable trash diet mentions before we go to (laughs) our main entree. Um, so the first honorable mention this actually, there's a really good, I believe it's a maintenance phase episode on this diet, Mm. the scarsdale diet.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah. There's a really good episode. We're not going to go deep into it. I just, cause it's the episode that exists is fantastic. And whatnot, but this comes in the seventies. Uh, so the Coles notes version of this diet is that it is a, it starts as a two page diet sheet, um, made by a cardiologist, uh, named Dr. Herman Tarnower. Um, and he made this like, infographic essentially like 1970s infographic <laughs> probably a typewritten page let's be very mimeographed honest. or something uh, i mean i'm looking i'm envisioning a canva template it's the 70s it's a typewriter for sure <laughs> um, <laughs> but he made this two-pager to help his patients lose weight um and to have better heart health um the selling features of his diet the scarsdale diet um named after the town that he was in it was he was located in scarsdale new york surprised he didn't name it after himself but whatever that's not the point um it promises to for you to lose um up to 20 pounds in under two weeks (laughs) are you cutting off one of my limbs
1: how are we doing that
0: (laughs) spoiler alert there's some pretty significant calorie restriction and i'm sure Ah. you'd be dehydrated af because (laughs) that's probably the only way you could drop that much weight um and this was published in 1979 um he actually made it into a book you uh if you are a participant in this diet you are allowed to eat a thousand calories a day this does not factor in age weight sex activity level nothing it's like a one every
1: everyone gets a thousand you get a thousand and you get a
0: thousand everybody gets a thousand calories a day um it's basically like a high protein, low carb, but he gives very specific num- like ratios, which to me mm. just sound like a lot of work. Never mind the fact that I'd be starving, like <laughs> to to figure out how to achieve forty three percent of my diet is protein.
1: Oh, sister, this is tracking your macros twenty two
0: point five percent. Spend some
1: time doing it; it is to be exhausting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but also, if you're hungry, like how do you think clearly to do this in the 1970s when you don't have an app right that's gonna tell you like, You a can't like google
1: like recipes using these four things i'm allowed to eat today
0: <laughs> oh god yeah so i mean it's basically just like high protein low carb um you're not allowed to have any snacks uh, mm-hmm. and there's like the usual foods that people at certain points have all found to be unhealthy but are actually like categorically nutrient dense and good for you. (laughs) Like the poor potato that takes so much flack.
1: The The maligned potato,
0: the maligned potato. Mm -hmm. We should do a whole episode on potatoes because they are so important in this world. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So no potatoes, no sweet potatoes, no rice, no avocados, no beans, no lentils no no beans yeah high protein avocados
1: avocado only a color for your stove not a food you
0: should eat avocados belong yeah in your decor (laughs) not in your stomach um and then he actually dies a year after the book's published um there's a whole thing about that uh the diet gets like super heavily criticized and it's the book is no longer in print thank Mm. god (laughs) Anyways, for more information on the Scarsdale diet, there is a maintenance phase episode. I don't even remember what it's called. It might be called The Scarsdale Diet. I think it is, um, yeah. It's cuz their episodes are usually very clearly labeled. labeled. <laughs> um and they do a full deep dive and it's actually a really interesting story. But that's that that's our first trash diet honorable mention for today. Um, Second honorable mention goes to our friend, The Master Cleanse, who just won't fucking go away. I feel Ah, like since the 1940s, we're Mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, this, oh yeah. So it actually finally goes into published book form in 1976. Um, And The Master Cleanse, to remind you, I feel like if you do like a science degree of any sort, you end up learning diabetes like every year in biology. (laughs) And this feels like- That like reiteration, you're like, oh my god! Oh, it's this again. again." Yeah, here. Oh god, here we go again. So, um, so the Master Cleanse, just to recap, is that one with lemon juice, maple syrup, and cayenne pepper, and you just drink that, and then you have absolutely no nutrients in your life. But don't worry, you lose weight because you're eating no food. Uh, so that gets published in 1976. I don't even know how you can make a whole book about that.
1: No, it's like a, that is an infographic.
0: (laughs) It's an infographic for sure. It is, it is a sentence. (laughs) I don't even, I almost want to read the book just to see how much filler, like what type of filler, like
1: how did you turn this into 100 pages?
0: (laughs) Oh, it's got to just be a bunch of anecdotal stories
1: certainly. Or like, you know, Hey, if you notice all of these like horrible side effects, it's totally normal. Don't worry about it. You're supposed to feel like you want to faint every time you get up.
0: It's just a healthy detox, that lightheaded feeling you get when you stand. So after those two honorable mentions, I'm going to get into our meat and potatoes, if you will, (laughs) (laughs) which of course involves no meat or potatoes, but, uh, can you guess what trash diet had its origin story starting in the 1970s. I'm only asking you because you also researched uh, the 1980s, which we're recording after this. So I'm curious if you <laughs> maybe touched on this a little bit. I no
1: I, no no I, no. But I'm no. But tell me. I'm dying to know.
0: Uh, if I say the name S. Daniel Abraham, does that trigger anything that came no. up for you in the 80s? <gasps> oh my gosh, that's it's this is exciting. Okay, so in 1977 slim fast was ah, born.
1: ah yes
0: so this guy s daniel abraham is a very interesting man and we are totally going to talk more about him in the future um what is so interesting about him at a skim is that he actually from skimming there is going to be this may not actually be true but in a skim he seems like he had really solid intentions Mm. um he's like a real uh philanthropy do good things in the world type guy however <laughs> um
1: <laughs> nothing just, is without a his, history should make you feel weird right things yeah can be and you know what and
0: problematic that's okay <laughs> yeah it could get better or it could get worse as we look more into him but so this guy s daniel abraham is the creator of slim Fast. Um, it becomes really popular in the eighties with more media campaigning, but it starts in 1977. Uh, originally it's just a powder that you mix with low fat milk. Of course.
1: Oh, bless you. Skim milk.
0: And it's advertised to have the taste and texture of a milkshake. A milkshake is like frozen and thick and delicious. There's How just can no you compare just no anything way. that has the viscosity of low fat milk <laughs> To a milkshake. Don't tell me the texture. Like, no. Lies. No. No. (laughs) They are two completely different viscosities. You cannot compare the two. Even just on that alone. Um, have you ever had some fast?
1: No, I haven't actually.
0: It's disgusting. (laughs) It's not surprising. It's like I just yeah, I keep
1: I keep thinking now about um what was the one that we talked about? Um the Sago cherry brandy flavored oh, Sago. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I just, I, I feel like this is kind of all that same category, right. Yeah. Of like, you, you're going to not eat food, but you won't even miss it. Won't I
0: totally. won't die. But, but you know what I find so interesting is SlimFast is still on the market today. Like I went to see, I'm like, cause I a hundred percent in my twenties was like, Oh, maybe this would be a good meal replacement. Like, I don't know. And it tasted right. so bad <laughs>
1: You couldn't even replace your meals with it, even when you wanted to.
0: No, but if you were gonna drink a liquid to replace a meal, like smoothies are a very popular. Let's, I mean, that's essentially what a smoothie is. Yeah, but you can obviously put a lot more in it. Slimfast only has fourteen grams of protein per serving. That's like less than half of your average protein powder. But like, why today?
1: Right? Would you think if it's nineteen seventy-seven, it's another thing that it's twenty twenty-three? Right? Yeah.
0: But today's Slim Fast has 14 grams of protein per serving. And like your average protein powder has like more than double that. Right. So, and like calorically, I mean, for the protein powder I have, I looked, it's like, I think it's like 160 calories and like 30 grams of protein. It's the same calories <laughs> as Slim Fast. Like, why would you right. at least like, At least my protein powder is like fortified with a bunch of shit and like whatever. Like, so I just, it's baffling that this could even, it doesn't make any sense.
1: Well, I, Uh, what I find really interesting is, and I mean, you know, this is kind of like the arc that we've been traveling through this summer, but like, you know, yes, in the seventies and even in the eighties, as we'll get to next week, you know, there is like, it's slim is good. Diet is good. Like all of these buzzwords. But like we've abandoned the language of diet culture and replaced it with wellness culture. So the fact that slim fast, even just that name, mm-hmm. can still exist and continue to make money, I find really interesting.
0: Well, I mean, it's also have we really abandoned those <laughs> no, terms? Is I think I think we've just made them not as socially acceptable.
1: Right. But I think well, we were I mean we still want to be slim. Right.
0: Right. It's the only one who's like, yep.
1: Yep. I'm honest about what I'm
0: doing. I'm not going to pretend I'm making you healthy. I'm just making you slim (laughs) a hundred percent. Um, I digress. Uh, so this was initially supposed to be a 1200 calorie per day meal replacement, like system.
1: It's like the magic Um, number in diets, isn't it? It's like, Just half of what some random arbitrary person decided at some point would be the number that we use for things, which actually isn't even based on science, but anyways, that's another episode probably.
0: I know. know. Totally. So you're supposed to drink it for um, breakfast and lunch, and then you're supposed to have a quote, sensible and healthy Ah, dinner.
1: Sensible.
0: Sensible and healthy dinner. Right. So you're basically eating one meal a day. Right. And that's it. Right. That's it. Um, interestingly enough, during the first year, it's first year on the market, slim fast was pulled from circulation along with all fluid meal replacement products Mm. after. Yeah. So after almost 60 people died Mm. while using 300 calorie per day, liquid diets made by other manufacturers. So I guess whoever was like, I don't even know if it'd be the FDA. Cause it's food. I mean, it's food. So I guess so. I don't know what the FDA really looked like in the 1970s, but they pulled every single product within that
1: A category
0: category. Yeah. Which wow. is interesting mm-hmm. um, because I can't see that happening today.
1: No, corporations not a have, whole category corporations have far too much power now for them to for the government to be able to crack down like that,
0: but and I also think they have enough to be like, well, just because a bunch of people right like because because're not the problem actually, but but labeling matters yeah. too, right? Like I mean, and that's why all supplements say you can use it for three months or whatever, and you know what I mean? because they you there are safeguards you can put in your labeling. And I wouldn't be surprised that if we find in the eighties is when they start really regulating, um, marketing wording and, and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I don't know that for sure, but I would guess that when you have an entire category getting removed because of an issue that you would find,
1: you got to fine tune that a little bit. Yeah.
0: Totally. Totally. Because that could have be a really big deal. Like who cares about diet drinks, but it, for something that maybe was causing benefit for some people and you just had a bad batch, right. You know what I mean? Like from one yeah. company, you don't want to like blame all throw the, the, throw the baby, but
1: with the bath water, if you will,
0: totally save that baby. <laughs> um, so in order to save themselves after, uh, having their entire products and they only had one like product line, they only had the powdered meal replacement. They ended up going sort of partially public uh to get some funds
1: uh-huh interesting
0: yeah and they uh recoup 8.4 million dollars in 1979 um through this endeavor and it saves the company
1: wow
0: don't worry that's why SlimFast is around today <laughs> still exists today totally so that's our first biggie that started in the 70s um and then in the 70s, we also see a real takeoff of over the counter diet pills. Mm. So we talk about diet pills before, that looked a lot more like the um, amphetamines and the different like cocktails that we saw sort of in the 40s, I believe, is yeah, when we first started 20, talking 20s,
1: about it. 20s, 30s, them. 40s. Like people are, yeah. And that's people in Hollywood t- are dying at an uncomfortable rate.
0: <laughs> um, but they're doing it through prescriptions and not through, um, over the counter, right? Like you have to know where to go, I guess. Whereas, <laughs> uh, in the seventies, you can just go to your local Walgreens shoppers, drug mart, whatever, right. and get yourself some diet pills. Uh, so in 1976, Thompson medical introduces Dexatrim.
1: Mm, I know that name.
0: Yeah. Um, Thompson medical is actually founded by S. Daniel Abraham, fun <laughs> fast guy. Look
1: at him, just with his little, with his little hands, and in, in all of the diet options,
0: diversification. <laughs> that's how we have to go we want to make money these days. Um, that's what I mean. This guy is super interesting. interesting so, yeah. our friend Daniel S. Abraham, um, his company that he founded introduces Dexatrim, um, which is essentially it's a it's a diet pill, and it has a an appetite suppressant which is abbreviated to PPA. And I'm going to try and bust out my best Latin medical talk here and just say it in one go. Phenylpropanolamine. I think I said it right. Phenylpropanolamine. Yeah. Phenylpropanolamine or also known as PPA. Uh, and it's actually controversial even in the seventies. Hmm. But don't worry, Dexatrim becomes the best-selling diet pill in the market within the year that it's released. Wow. And I'm going to do an inflation calculator here. I got to figure this out because Thompson Medical Sales go to... So in 1976, Dexatrim's released. By 1980, their sales have surpassed 50 million. Wow. So let's do a little... Let's find a inflation calculator. Okay. So that means in the four years, they made $179 million. Wow. That is
1: no joke. And that's just the Thompson. Off one drop. So that's not that doesn't even include whatever's happening with Slimfast at the time, right? No, no, that is
0: that is from Dexatrim.
1: Wow that's impressive
0: that is a lot of money now I don't know how many countries it was being sold in blah 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 but like the reach of anything in 1970 is significantly less than the reach would be now right um so that's bananas now I'm gonna foreshadow a little bit because this is a very interesting sort of trail little path with (laughs) breadcrumbs to follow but um we're gonna leave the 70s for a minute to say in 1980 I don't know what the fuck compelled them to do this, but a bunch of British researchers gave PPA to young, healthy medical students. Like, I don't know why young medical, what, I don't know why co- this, all right. <laughs> this was the group. I mean, at least they weren't taking poor, disadvantaged minorities. Right. So let's give them credit for that. But like, for whatever reason, they grab a bunch of, although honestly, medical students are, are very impressionable. Like right. you take a bunch of students, there's a power dynamic involved. Yeah. The ethics here are very questionable, but they give, they give PPA, this controversial ingredient in dexatrim to young medical students and note alarming elevations in blood pressure, dizziness, heart palpitations, headache, insomnia, anxiety, and restlessness. And these are like young,
1: healthy, otherwise, quote unquote, healthy people. Right.
0: <laughs> but it's probably um, fine.
1: Right. <laughs> sure. It's unrelated.
0: Well, so then 10 years later.
1: Wow. Uh, 10 years. In 1990.
0: 10 years later. Don't worry. They didn't.
1: Don't worry. Nobody did anything about it,
0: (laughs) but wait, there's more 10 years later, uh, in the States doctors. And I bet you this has to do also with reporting systems between different countries and whatnot, Mm
1: -hmm. but
0: they reported a bunch of reactions to PPA, including strokes, seizures, and death. Mm -hmm. And then 10 years later, the FDA steps in. So, and what they end up finding, like when the hindsight's 2020, what they end up finding is that, um, people who took PPA for the first time tripled their risk of having a stroke and then people that took it on an ongoing basis. So that's, if you took it the first time,
1: just even one time.
0: If you took it on an ongoing basis, you had, you were 16 times higher risk for stroke than if you were not taking PPA, but wait, there's more the, uh, bow, the bow that gets tied on the top of this is the FDA estimates that PPA might have been responsible for 200 to 500 strokes in people under the age of 50 each year that this drug was on the market. And so, if they then plot this like over time, there could be as many as 10,000 strokes that occurred from this drug that people, they just didn't know about. So, we left wow. the 70s, but it just goes but, but to show. But it was for good reason. <laughs> it was for good reason. So, potentially, this drug uh, that was a multi, multi million dollar moneymaker um, for Thompson Medical resulted in the likely resulted in, we don't know about deaths per se, but, uh, um, a lot of strokes. Wow.
1: Um, I mean, not to get too tinfoil Hattie, but like, I, this is where distrust in, you know, reporting systems and government checks and balances comes from, right? Like, yeah. that's awful. That's awful. Yeah.
0: yeah. And this is over the counter. And I think that's why it's so hard to track a lot of this is you don't know who's taking it.
1: Right. There's no doctor record. There's no prescription history that people can go in and yeah.
0: Exactly. So when you look at, if you have to go, yeah, to your point, get a prescription, like you're probably then going to follow up with that doctor. If you have a stroke, they're going to be like, well, hold on. We put you on this medic. Like it's going to be on there.
1: There's more of a paper trail
0: for sure. Especially if you have somebody who's like under the age of 50, having a stroke, like that's not
1: normal. That's not, no,
0: that's not your normal age demographic for, for stroke and cardiovascular disease. So, so yeah. Um, so that's kind of like the trash diets slash trash diet pills of the seventies that lingered, that festered
1: long, (laughs)
0: long after but super interesting that like the two mega markers of diet world in the 70s come back to this one guy from the cursory look I did. He kind of looks like an American dream story, like built himself uh-huh. up. Yeah. But, but that's like, I literally skimmed him on Wikipedia. Yeah. So let's not pretend that I actually looked into this. Dude. Well,
1: we'll <laughs> we will, you will look into him though. I know you we will, we'll follow up with this. That's so interesting.
0: Yeah. All right. So king of, king of the 1970s goes to S. Daniel Abraham. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to me now. We really appreciate your support. And if you could do us a big favor and subscribe and share this podcast, it would mean the world to us.